Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights and Automation. And this is a show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. I hope your week is off to a great start and um, your Tuesday morning is going well as well. Um, we are on our winter hours, so we're only doing shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we got a great show for you today with lots of interesting uh, stuff to cover. And to get started, let's go over to um, a reminder that if you do enjoy these episodes, please give us a like, a sub, and a share, because that truly is the fuel that keeps us on the air. So if you do enjoy the show, you want to have it keep coming back, please give us a like, a sub, and a share. And now I want to just take a look over at the uh, studio board here and make sure everything's working. Oh, I didn't mention here when I opened up, you can see I still have some lights and stuff hanging here um, because I'm not done taking pictures, but you can see I just finished up uh, getting uh, uh, images, photos of all of this uh, Slick 500 stuff I've been collecting over the last 10 years um, since I started the automation blog. And um, all of this stuff is included in the, uh, it will be included in the new Slick 500 quest I'm filming. So in any case, if you need to learn about this stuff, I do have a few items coming in, a couple of things that I, uh, that I, uh, that I didn't have, but uh, I'll talk more about that in our featured product section. So let's get right into the news here. And uh, we'll start over at uh, what I thought was a big announcement today. I was really surprised about this. Uh, we have worked with Redline Controls. We, I think we had them on the show three times this year. Um, in any case, um, seeing that uh, they were just acquired by HMS, that was big news for me. And so I want to wish uh, HMS and Redline all the success in the world. It makes sense for these companies to join together. There's a lot of synergies that can be you know, they do a lot of different things, right? There's, like, I don't know of a lot of overlap between them. There's some, but not, I don't think there's a lot. And so and maybe they can come up with some next-gen products that leverages the strength of both companies. But uh, congratulations to both. I hope we can continue to have Red Lion come on and sponsor content with us because we've really enjoyed our partnership with them. In any case, uh, congratulations to both of them. Uh, from there, we go to an announcement from Phoenix Contact. Now, they're, today they're talking about their basic line of power supply. So if you have an application that's very price conscious, um, they, they mention applications like solar, vending machines, and other things. Um, this is their, this is that line for Phoenix Contact, right? So it's designed for commercial applications. This is called their essential, excuse me, essential power line. And um, very interesting uh, if you need low cost 24 volt DC power. From there, we got a new product announcement from Turk. And I thought this was very interesting. This is their FIL20 IO hub with IO link. Now, I'm going to just talk about the largest one. It's 16 points. It's universal. So it could be 16 inputs, 16 outputs, or any mix. The one uh, thing you're going to keep in mind about that is they're all PNP, right? So uh, sourcing. Typically, you have sourcing outputs and syncing inputs, right? So keep that in mind. But in any case, so you bring in all this digital IO, and then it has an IO link connection. And this is great because, you know, there are modules like for the S7-1200 that only have four IO-Link ports, right? So now to each of those ports, I can hook up 16 digital IO. Very cool. So very interesting product. Uh, there's all different models, 8 points and 16 points uh, and so on. You can see them right here if you're watching the show and not listening to it. Um, in any case, from there we go over to a new product from SMC. This is a, another in their line of flow controllers. This one's for water. And this allows for a stepless control. 
uh, of water flow in proportion to electrical signals and it also has uh, disruption uh, leveling capabilities so if the pressure change is coming in it can address that. Now there's a couple different models here and it has all kinds of different options for connectors. Some of the applications you can use this in would be like injection molding cooling or uh, if you have a printer machine printer roller cooling or even in semiconductor with wafer production process cooling right. So in any case, uh, I did want to go down here to the selection guide because this comes in three different models. The uh, input for the electrical proportion of the flow can be 1 to 5 volts, 4 to 20 milliamps, or 0 to 10 volts. You have to choose that as part of the part number. From there, we go over to a new product from Linmont. Uh, it's called the GM1, the GM01 gripper module. And you can see it here, they say, we grip it. <laughs> and um, in any case, you can see all the attachments down here that you can attach to it. And they even have scoopers. I think that would be great for soft products, maybe even poultry or, or, uh, or beef or uh, other soft products, right? So they have these, these scooper arms and whatnot. So interesting new gripper module from Linmont. Next we have, and we don't see a lot from ESD in our, in, in our industry, industrial automation. But they just released uh, some new CAN 402 interface modules. These are for PCI bus and PCI Express. So uh, I don't know if, how many of you out there are using CAN, but I know it is in many industries, so I wanted to share that with you. There is also a new CAN dictionary. The 12th edition just came out, 2023. And uh, so if, you, if you're using CAN, you definitely want to grab a copy of this. This also has an advertisement for the International CAN Conference in Germany on May 14th and 15th. Um, from there we go over the pre-mail. They had a new uh, uh, announcement here about uh, releasing Intel 12th and 13th generation computers, right? Industrial computers, as well as a micro ATX motherboard. And um, so it was pretty interesting. What I found more interesting was the video that actually went through all the different configurations of their RCO 6000 RPL. AI Edge interface computer. There are so many different modules you can plug into this thing and you can actually uh, extend it with a, with a whole like uh, PCI uh, expansion module so you can get big and get small. There's all kinds of plug-in modules. So very interesting product. I thought the video was well done as well. Very, uh, made it very informative and easy to, easy to understand what they were talking about. From there we go over to Panduit. Now I know this probably isn't on the top of your mind when you're uh, out there programming PLCs and configuring VFDs and, and, and designing SCADA systems. But you know, uh, it's good to know that Panduit uh, has uh, CSA certified cable cleats because on a lot of machines you need these, right? You need very strong and capable cleats. And so they were announcing, uh, uh, they had an announcement about the, their, uh, their uh, cleat line. So I wanted to share that with you. And now we go over to our featured product of today. And today I am featuring um, the pre-order for my Slick 500 course, which I'm actually in the process of filming right now, along with all the other Allen Bradley PLC courses. Let me go full screen. So some of the things we're doing, um, I did, you know, these are things that you won't find in any other course. And one of the things I did was pick up another one of these uh, device net scanners. <laughs> I can't see it from the back. They all look the same. And um, because a lot of people don't realize that you can actually do peer-to-peer -peer comms on device net. Uh, another thing I did is I've had an SN for a long time and we got a lot of different remote IO, flex IO and remote IO, 1771 and remote IO, but um, I wanted to show um, 1747 on remote IO. 
So I actually picked up a 1747 ASB recycled and uh, picked up a new uh, um, analog module, picked up, actually found the, uh, on clearance, a Spectrum Controls uh, isolated analog module. So we'll show that. And I, the, the reason I like the, that is because back in the day, you'd have to put in a special code if you had a third party module. So I want to be able to show that in the course as well. Um, I picked up double EEPROMs for all the controllers and um, the basic modules too. Very interesting, a couple of the used basic modules had had double EEPROMs in them. So I'm interested to see what programs are in there. So the basic module, that section of the course will come much later. We're going to cover all the basics first, but I do look forward to get into that. We have high-speed counter modules. I haven't tested them yet. I bought them. They were um, uh, high discount, so we'll see if they work. But uh, in any case, um, also would like to do stepper and serve the servo modules in the future, but that'll be, that'll be like a level three thing. But in any case, you can kind of see everything here that I will be covering. We'll be doing a lot of DH-45. I got a KF-3, uh, but uh, uh, I didn't have a 1747KE, so I picked one of those up. And uh, we'll, we'll be covering, I'm actually going to make the sections on DH-45, DH+, and Ethernet. I'm going to make those modules that can be used in multiple courses. Because, you know, like panel views, you can get them on Data Highway Plus. So that kind of introductory stuff about those networks, I want to make very modular. So I can record it once and update it as needed and plug it into all the different courses that require it. And maybe some of them I even split out as like a separate mini course. Like if I do something on a basic module or a stepper module, you know, make that a small like a $3 course or something. So those are some of the ideas I have right now. But in any case, let's get back to the news here. And if I hit the right button, that should bring that up. And then we had an announcement from Software Toolbox that the OPC data client, the new OPC data client 2023.2 adds Python.net support. And this is important with the depreciation of the component object model com. Um, you know, you, a lot of people are moving to Python.net. So you can see information about that here. From there, we go over to what I thought was an excellent article. I'm going to actually tag this with the, the EDU tag over at automate.news. This is by the co-founder or co-creator of MQTT, and he talks about MQTT and Sparkplug and really brings you up to speed. If you've never done anything with MQTT or Sparkplug, this is the article to read. I thought he did an excellent job. This is over at automation.com, the ISA's website. And um, he goes through what is MQTT is, why use it, how they added context with Sparkplug version 1.0, what Sparkplug B added, and then how Sparkplug 3.0, a little confusing there, right? Actually uh, uh, extended and added even more functionality and standardization and so on. So I thought it was a very interesting article. Highly recommend it if you have any interest in using MQTT or Sparkplug. Um, we also have another article from automation.com, the ISA's website. And this is about understanding AI risks and how to secure them using zero trust. And I really like this article because it covers two different topics that are in the news a lot, cybersecurity and AI. And on the AI side, they talk about things you don't hear people talk about a lot, like, you know, how AI can be hacked and how, do, how does this happen? So if you're not following AI, you may not be aware that people um, hack uh, AI models input data to try to control the output to make the output what they want and not what the AI model was designed to do, right? So this is kind of like, you know, the media has been doing this for, for generations, right? Trying to spread, uh, you know, information that doesn't really represent the input, right? And so this happens quite a bit. And there's been a lot of large stories about 
how hackers get the AI to do and you know come out with embarrassing conclusions by manipulating the data. And there's also data poisoning, right, which is similar but different. And that includes uh, that uh, that um, involves introducing uh, misleading or blatantly false data into the AI model. And they go through a bunch of different bullets here. Um, the other side is zero trust, and I thought they really did a good job of nailing zero trust and why it's important. And this is where we just don't say if you get onto the uh, plant flow network, the OT network, then you're trusted, right? Well, we know that hackers can, you know, jump from your phone. Maybe they they hack your phone at a coffee shop or at an airport, and then they can jump f uh, from your phone to the network if you bring your phone onto the plant floor, which um, almost every facility allows you to do, right? Because our, our cell phones are with us almost all the time. So in any case, this talks about how you actually only allow devices on your allow list to talk to other devices using only a specifically allowed protocol. And we've talked about this a lot, so I won't belabor the point, but I thought they did a really good summary of zero trust um, and, and how you, know, you can com combat worries about your AI software, whether it's a smart camera or some analytics package you have or machine learning, and how the to two, you know, you can use zero trust to protect against anybody hacking your AI. So very interesting article there. Then we had another great article. This one was from the Society of Manufacturing Engineers in SME, and this is Intelligent Guided Growth. Now this article talks about AGVs, right? So it talks about, you know, classically how they were used. It talks about AGVs versus AMRs, but it also talks about the growth of AGVs driven by the difficulty getting people to work in warehousing, right? Warehousing is not what the younger generation who grew up with touchscreens, you know, that's not their primary interest, right? And so um, I thought it was a very good article. They talk about some of the new applications for AGVs that are emerging and uh, just interesting food for the mind this morning. And from there, another great article from SME, um, regionalization, right? So we've talked with John Garner a couple times on the show about manufacturing local, manufacture local. And always, uh, I, I'm a big fan of that philosophy where, you know, uh, companies should have manufacturing facilities in each region, right? So that they're not, they're not held hostage to a boat sinking or being stuck in a canal or having rockets fired on it and, you know, closing the shipping lanes, right? So we've seen all those things in the news these days. And so, you know, how do you avoid that? How do you avoid, like if a company has to shut down because there's an outbreak of something, you know, you can't get any parts out, right? And so your whole supply chain drives up. And that, the solution is regionalization. And there's so many benefits to that aside from employing local people, right? Which is, to me, one of the biggest things, right? You shouldn't be employing people around the world, not just in one place in the world, right? Because that can lead to abuses and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, unwanted desires where if you have employment all over the world and you're meeting your local standards, then that, that you're really servicing your local population and your local customers that way. And, and in this article, uh, the author takes it even one step further. He talks about all kinds of um, advantages to regionalization, having multiple plants around the world where your customers are. And I thought it was a very good article. I won't spoil it for you, but uh, in any case, um, if, you're, if you're interested in this topic, I would definitely suggest checking this article out. Uh, from there, we have an article from the Association for Manufacturing Technology, AMT. And this is Decoding Digital, Six Ideas to Get Started with Your Digital Transformation. Now, I'm not gonna read the article to you. It was interesting, but I will read the bullets to you. So let's go through some of the bullets here. 
especially for those of you who are in the uh, listening and not watching, uh, this would be great because you can't see the screen. So uh, challenge number one was um, how to navigate your digital transformation. Challenge number two, the lack of awareness of federal and state assistance. So a lot of people don't realize there are programs out there to help you. For instance, one of the, we had a, a B2B uh, uh, vendor on the podcast uh, to talk about e-commerce and how the federal government has programs out there to help manufacturers get an e-commerce website, whether it's B2B or B2C, doesn't matter. The federal government will help you, will help fund you so you are more competitive on the global stage and also on the local stage so people can buy your products online right from your website. So a lot of people don't know that. So that's a big challenge. Uh, number three, addressing cybersecurity, right? Just plugging everything together and, and you know, and having a wide, old, uh, a wide open window to the entire world is a bad idea, right? Because not everybody in the world has the same standards as you do locally. And so they could come in and, we, well, we know, we've talked about cyber attacks in the past. Um, challenge number four, understanding the DOD's uh, cyber security maturity model certification. Now, it doesn't mean you have to get DOD certification, but understanding that certification process can make you think about things you need to do to add a layered defense on, on top of your cybersecurity uh, 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 you know, rollout, whatever you're going to do there. So number five, legacy equipment that is not connected. So we all know you really have to have an inventory of all the electronic devices in your facility, right? PLCs, HMIs, VFDs, smart devices that don't fall into any of those categories. And you have to you have to understand that if they're not connected, why they're not connected and why maybe they shouldn't be connected. Maybe they're not they're not uh, they don't have any cybersecurity built in, right? And then number 6, skepticism about the data. So ensuring that you're getting accurate data but also turning that data into information is extremely important because just having I've seen so many companies where they have just this huge silo of data data that nobody ever looks at because they don't have a good analytics package to go on top of it to actually visualize it and make uh, turn the data into information. So very interesting article there from AMT. And now we go into our guide of the day. If you're not familiar with our guides, theautomationblog.com, we're celebrating 10 years this year. And um, we have over 1,700 free articles and videos up there. And uh, this summer, this past summer, I spent an entire week categorizing the top 16 products lines we've covered and created guides out of them. And today we're gonna to feature the Slick 500 guide. Yeah, here it is right here. Over 60 articles and videos on the Slick 500. And uh, you can see them all here in a list. And um, some of these are videos, some of them are articles, and uh, you know, some of them have been updated recently. Some of them are talking about you know how to communicate via Data Hub Plus, how to do messaging, and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to feature that guide this morning. From there, we go over to an application profile from Antira. I love there. Just saw their little uh, logo do the whole Christmas uh, present thing. So I love that. Do you know there's a school department locally that canceled Christmas? They can have no Christmas decorations at all. That, I don't like my tax dollars being used for that. That is anti-American, I think. In my, in my personal opinion, canceling Christmas is so wrong. But in any case, back to uh, this uh, application profile. Um, it's entitled Enhancing Efficiency in the Packaging Automation Industry with Antera's SFP Transceiver. And I thought it was very interesting. So, you know, the customer needed a high-speed Ethernet ports locally, you know, copper, RJ45, right? 10-based or 100-based or 1,000-based teeth. And um, 
They also needed SFPs to make some long hauls via fiber, and so this article talks about that application. We also had another article here, how to turn connected workers. Actually, this is a podcast. Now, I did not listen to this podcast, but I thought the title, you guys might find it interesting. So how to turn connected workers into proactive workers. This is from Aviva, and it's the latest edition of, I think it's episode 25 of their podcast. Again, I, I can't vouch for it because I did not get a chance to listen to it this morning. Um, but I did want to share it to you because it sounded interesting. Uh, in addition to that, we have... A case study, this is out of order, this should have been before the podcast, but this is uh, from ProSoft and it's talking about a pharmaceutical company that's upgrading their legacy equipment. So they had some very old obsolete PLCs, they're migrating control logics, they're doing a phase migration, and this talks about how they did it. In this case, they're using the ANX2 module from ProSoft. With that, we have for events, we have an upcoming webinar from Excita. And I think this was just scheduled because I don't remember seeing this last week. Um, you guys tell me if I already covered this, but I don't think I did. I actually checked. This is on um, December 14th, so later this week. DFA method for analyzing failures, right? So if that means something to you, if you do a lot of uh, analyst failure ana and failure analysis, then um, check it out. Now, I think they're incorrectly using EDT here because we're done with Eastern Daylight Time. I think it's uh, they meant EST you'll have to check with them. They have a 6 a.m. edition, a 10 a.m. edition, and a 4 p.m. edition. They're listing it as EDT, but I think it's just a typo. I think it's EST. Uh, from there, we have a video from PLC Open. Now, they just announced a change in leadership. Uh, the, the former leader had been running it for, and, and co-developed it for uh, 30 years, and now they have a new leader, and um, he just published a new video, and... Um, Let's see here. So here he is here. I believe this is the new guy. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But in any case, I didn't include that press release. But this video in which uh, PLC Open talks about the future of industrial automation and where PLC Open fits in, I thought it was very interesting. So you may want to check that out. Um, we also have a video here from Turk about their Turk Automation Suite, TAS. And uh, this is like an all-in-one software tool for Turk products. You can do your IOLink configuration, IP service tool, batch processing, uh, processing, RFID, vibration monitoring, uh, uh, radar and cable monitoring, and more. So if you're using Turk, you probably want to check out this video and learn more about the Turk automation suite of software. And then um, we, we had these, uh, this list of Friday videos from uh, IEEE Spectrum. I was not impressed with the floppy bot. <laughs> but in any case, I, what I did like was uh, some of these. So here we have one from Aptronic and they've replaced the legs on their, um, their humanoid robot with wheels. And you can see in this video here, there's a lot of advantages. Now this is not a real live application. This is a CG rendering, but you can see with the four wheel, four wheel steering and um, you know, the, the, the way the platform's designed, they eliminate a lot of the issues with um, being bipedal. And uh, I think one would be speed because you can, you can get going on wheels, right? You can go pretty fast. But in any case, I thought that was interesting. Also in this list, we had a bipedal uh, example from Agility. We've covered these guys in the past. I'm still amazed. And again, I, I'm not picking on them because I'm sure it's in a test environment and they want to take it slow so it doesn't fall over. It doesn't hurt anybody. But I'm still amazed that they do walk so slow because I, I don't see the advantages now, they're saying it lifts heavy, heavy loads. I, I'm not sure that that load is heavier than the average person could pick up. 
Um, but in any case, it's super interesting. You know, these are early days in these humanoid robots, right? So uh, I thought it was interesting. This is not CG. This is actual video of a bipedal robot picking up a heavy tote and putting it on a conveyor. Um, from there, we go over to, what's the other one I liked? Oh, this one, it's like a robot dog, right? This is from Anybotics. But this one's designed, it has a high resolution camera on it with multiple modes, including infrared or infrared, and it can do thermal monitoring. And so I can definitely see, uh, you know, utilities and other companies having fleets of these robots out there and having one operator who dispatches them. All right, you gotta go here, you gotta go here, you gotta go here. And when they get to that location, they actually take full control of it and, and monitor. Now it's supposed to have an autonomous uh, 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 mode as well. But I can see why I'm to take control of it and zoom the camera in and doing my thermal analysis and frame grabs and all of that myself. But in any case, a lot of, a lot of fun videos. The last one I'll mention is one of a KUKA robot doing sculpting. So they programmed it to sculpt out some different, this looks like a finger. Maybe his fingers are crossed, I don't know. But in any case, from there, we'll go over to downloads. We have a new Getting Started with Siemens Industrial AI Portfolio download. We have a new uh, update for Cymatic, Cymatic Visualization Architect version 17. We also have a new data sheet from Rockwell or brochure from Rockwell on their Factory Talk data mosaic. We have a new uh, manual for Rockwell's industrial performance monitors. And we have new uh, data sheet on the Flex HA 5000 IO system. This is all the specs and everything you need to know. These are, if you're gonna use Flex HA 5000, you wanna have a copy of this on your hard drive. And uh, if you wanna learn about Flex HA, we took a really deep dive into the hardware with Rockwell in podcast episode 167. Uh, Rockwell also has a technical data sheet, a new technical data sheet on their inductive proxies. So uh, good to have if you're using those proxies from Rockwell. Uh, over on Emerson's website, we have uh, new manuals on TopWorks PD100 and TopWorks PD200. We also have a new Delta V Workflow Studio data sheet. Uh, as far as Siemens documentation, we have a new manual for the Industrial Edge app, the Information Hub version 1.9 as well as the Ethan IP connector, version 3.0. And uh, now in the other science and technology section, I thought this article was very interesting from ABB, how they're uh, teaming up with Gravitricity. I think I said that right, Gravitricity. And, uh, you know, we've talked about, like, what do you do with extra energy that you don't need, right? So if you have a turbine, you just can't slow it down. You know, maybe it's a wind turbine, maybe it's a solar farm or some other, other uh, way of generating electricity that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, when the sun's out, you're gonna get electricity. When it's not out, you're not. So where do you store that energy? And a lot of people have talked about batteries. We know uh, 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 Elon Musk, and I believe it was Tesla, put up a gigaplant for batteries, or maybe, maybe it's not Tesla, it's another company. But in any case, right, we all know the problems. We talked about them before about lithium batteries, right? So, you know, we've covered things about, hey, why don't you make hydrogen from that electricity? or methane, or, you know, pump water up into a tank or up a hill and then drain the water and let it run a turbine when, when you need electricity. And uh, in this case, what they're doing is you, they're using abandoned mine shafts. And what they do is have uh, motor generators on winches with very, hard, very, very heavy uh, uh, payloads. And so when there's excess, SX, excess? <laughs> when there's excess electricity, they, uh, they lift these weights up and when they need electricity, they let them, let them, uh, let gravity pull them down and generate electricity that way. So I thought it was very interesting. This is not the first of, of a, such a, such an application, but uh, in any case, I thought it was interesting because it was new too. From there, 
We also have Siemens talking about a new fleet of hydrogen trains that they had developed. And while this doesn't have anything to do with automation, I thought it goes in that hydrogen uh, topic we've been covering in the other science and technology section. And uh, these are fuel cell, if, if you're wondering. They're not uh, internal combustion engines. They're actually fuel cell trains using hydrogen. And lastly, we have a story from IEEE Spectrum about Li-Fi. We've talked about this before. Li-Fi is using light instead of radio waves for your internet access or networking connection. And this article I thought did a really good job. Now the standard is IEEE 802.11BB, okay? As in BB-8, right? The little robot from Star Wars. Um, so 802.11BB. And uh, you know, there's some advantages to Li-Fi. This article points out that Li-Fi can, can, uh, has no, no uh, the light has no interference from radio waves, right? So if you have a very noisy radio wave area that you're having troubles with signals with your Wi-Fi, Li-Fi takes care of that. There's no problem there. Also, Li-Fi can talk to a lot of devices in close range without interference because it's, it's light-based. Um, downsides, um, right now it's 10 megabit and it's very short range because the light needs to be a certain strength to actually have a good, good speed, right, for communications. So, and, and I can think of another problem too, if I have, have Li-Fi on my phone and I accidentally put my finger over the Li-Fi transceiver, receiver, I'm going to lose connection, right, which uh, I do that um, with the camera. Every time I go to take a picture, I have my fingers in the wrong place. So in any case, uh, very interesting article if you're following Li-Fi. You know, it's one of those uh, technologies I didn't think was going to come back because it was out years and years and years ago. But uh, we'll see. Maybe it will make a comeback. I, I don't know what the killer app for it is yet, given everything we just talked about. But maybe there is one. I don't know. Uh, from there, Now, it is secure, though. I guess that's one thing, right? Because radio waves easily leak out of your facility. But Li-Fi... You know, as long as you don't, as long as the light can't get out the windows, um, it, there's no way it's going to leak out of your facility. So it is much more secure that way. Um, so with that, I do want to thank our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. Also, if you think I missed a news story, uh, please use our news tip link to send it in. We also have a feedback or talkback link where you can actually send in your thoughts and opinions. Um, also want to thank, we just broke 1,350 followers over at our community, automation.locals.com. Thank you to everyone who signs up there. We had some great discussions last week. I look forward to more questions coming in this week as well. Um, and I also want to thank, you know, I just saw um, one of our collections go out. So thank you to everybody who's picked up one of our eBooks or video collections. I just saw, saw a new uh, video collection go out. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Every penny of profit from the collections and from our cups and t-shirts goes directly back into our site and show. And with that, if you're new to the show, just a reminder that, um, Every one of the links that we've covered, and I gotta refresh this because I had it, I was looking for events to make sure I cover I don't cover the same event twice. Every single link, every single link, not every single link, every single, yeah, every single story we've talked about. You can see I got the wrong, this is what's throwing me. I got the wrong ad here. This is a, a wide ad, not a tall ad. Every single story we've covered in all 150, I think this is 152, 152 episodes this year. You'll find every link at automate.news. No www, no .com. It's just automate.news. And um, you could actually search on them, like I was searching on events earlier, right here. So in any case, with that, we went a little over today, 8.03. So uh, I just want to thank everybody who watched this morning live. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Hopefully all those are still working. 
And I also want to thank everybody who watches after the fact, because I know a large, a large number of you watch after the fact. 7.30 in the morning is too late for you. So um, in any case, thank you all for watching. We will be back Thursday because we're on our winter schedule, Tuesday, Thursday. So I hope you have a great uh, Tuesday, a great Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you back here on Thursday. And with that, I want to wish you an awesome day. Remember, stay courageous, stay fearless. And until next time, my friends, peace.